Welcome to the In Plain Sight podcast, a project of City Care, an Oklahoma City-based nonprofit that inspires those willing to look social injustice and extreme poverty in the face and empowers them to do whatever it takes to create change. It is our goal to inspire you to care well for your city by bringing to light stories and issues lost in plain sight, hiding in the margins of our communities. You belong here because each of us has a role to play in the collective well-being of our friends and neighbors. We are activists for the overlooked and we are so glad you're here. Welcome back to part two in our three-part introduction series. My name is Jenna, and I'm your host for the In Plain Sight podcast. We are continuing our conversation with CEO of City Care, Adam Luck. If you haven't listened to part one yet, do me a favor, press pause and start there. This episode addresses the importance of our words for the dignity of others. As we seek to share stories and consider how we can care well for our city, we want to begin with some ground rules for how we talk about the situations affecting our neighbors. Listen in. Adam, thanks again so much for uh, joining us today. Yeah, love it. Taking time out of your busy schedule oh, of to course. hang out with us, us uh, lonely folks. I, uh, know, I wouldn't um, rather be anywhere else. <laughs> um, yeah, so I wanted to, you know, we have a couple questions for you. Um, and kind of what we're wanting to talk about today is... Um, why terminology matters uh, for dignity. So we really want to um, talk about the, to the topic of using the right words to describe uh, our friends and our neighbors uh, and for people that are in vulnerable situations. And so uh, kind of the first question to get us started uh, is I wanted to ask you, how have you heard, what, what have you heard about those, ex- like what words have you heard about those experiencing crisis described as? So. Yeah. Um, yeah, just go right into that. Sure. Yeah. Well, I, I would just start by saying too that you know, personally, walking through this process um, after having interacted with and become friends, and now have you know what I would call family members who have been in crisis, experienced crisis. As I've learned my own family history and had family members, uh, blood relatives who have experienced this type of crisis, it's really shaped my heart. And so you know, coming into this conversation, I come in with. A tremendous amount of grace for individuals who may not have had the same experiences that I have had, who may not have considered the things that I've had the opportunity to consider over the last couple of years. So that's just a giant caveat with this whole conversation. Is just that there's a there's a ton of grace that we have coming into this, and I think you know you all kind of already mentioned, but wanting to start this conversation from a position of grace um, to maybe just begin a discussion around the words that we use and why those words matter. So. To answer your question, you know, we can all think of the way we have heard people describe individuals who um, are homeless, you know, homeless people, um, street people, hobos, you know, there's there's all these words that we've heard, you know, whether it's homelessness or the criminal justice system, words like felon, convict, criminal, um, there's a lot of words that we've heard used to describe these individuals and I think really what we're what we see a lot of times is it's an individual looking at someone else and and pointing a finger and saying this is who you are Mm. and I think kind of where we've come to is a place of realizing that rather than using a word to label the individual is there a way that we can use words to describe the situation they're in so you know I would want to always start from a place to acknowledge that this person is in fact a person right that they are First and foremost, a person. Um, I, you know, we've talked about this before, but 
from a position of faith, you know, my guiding values teach me to say that this is a, a brother and sister in Christ. This is a child of God, just as I am. Um, and that being my guiding principle. So those are the words that I want to use to describe and label who that person is as an individual. From there, we can talk about what is the experience they're having right now? What is the situation that they find themselves in? And um, I think we can, you know, begin the conversation from there. But that's why, you know, over the last couple of years, I felt sort of a transition in my heart about moving away from labeling an individual based on maybe the worst mistake they've ever made or the deepest, darkest point of their life to um, maybe words that describe more about the situation that they're in and, and focus more on the dignity of, of who they are as an individual. Adam, could you walk us through some of that? So, you know, I'm definitely new to some of that terminology and completely guilty of describing individuals and labeling them as their situation instead of as who they are, as mm -hmm. a person with dignity who should mm -hmm. be loved. So could you kind of walk us through a little bit of instead of this, let's say this and mm -hmm. here's why? Yeah. Well, I'd also like to say, too, like you shouldn't feel guilt, right? You know, and I know maybe you were just saying that in passing, but it's like, what we want to say is um, you didn't know and, and now you do know. So let's consider and maybe reflect on uh, what was happening in your heart previously. Why were you thinking about it that way? And, and what are some ways that we can do that in the future? And I think on a fundamental level, if you wouldn't stand in front of the individual and call them this, should you call it call them this outside of their presence? And so that's really, you know, and I think I've, in, in, some, in some ways we, working in an organization that is serving, has the opportunity to serve this population, we've been forced to view our words through that lens because our words are magnified in the community. And so I want to say, whatever I say on Monday morning when I'm in a meeting or talking with somebody about this issue that I would say on Tuesday night when I'm having dinner at the Pershing Center with 50 of what I would call my friends and family members who are coming out of homelessness, right? So I want them to be able to hear my words and identify with them and not feel any source of shame about where they've come from. Um, so I want to, I want there to be as much clarity as possible between who I am outside of my role and in my role in the community and what I can sit down in front of them and talk about. And so there's no sense of guilt there. I just think it's important to think through those things. So um, I think when you start from the point of moving from the framework of describing the individual to the framework of what can we say to describe their situation, starting from the point of acknowledging their, their basic dignity as a human being, I think the words flow naturally from that. So for me, the, the words that I have found um, most helpful in describing these situations based on that framework is just starting, starting by using words that acknowledge that it is a situation. So for example, individuals who, uh, I, I say like individuals who are involved or have interacted with the criminal justice system. So I try, you know, there's so many people that I know, like family members included, who have interacted with the criminal justice system that I would never to their face call them a felon because it's not who they are. The worst mistake they made in their life caused them to interact with the criminal justice system. And at one moment in time, that was their situation. It's not who they are today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and again, from a position of faith, like what I, what God says about me, uh, again, as a, as a Christian, um, a follower of Jesus Christ, what he says about me fundamentally is that I am redeemed, that I am forgiven, that I am a new creation, right? And again, that's my position of faith. And this is um, my guiding principle and value set, and it may be different for another individual, but I can, I can say even from a position as a member of this community, your neighbor 
do would you would you want to describe them as the worst mistake they ever made? Um, let's consider us as individuals, right? So there are many things I've done in my life that I just didn't get caught for. There are many things that I probably should have had to deal with if, if my parents hadn't set a great example and taught me the things that they taught me. Um, but we as individuals reflecting on our own past, would we want to be called by the worst thing we ever did? Would we want to be labeled as an individual that this is who you are and you'll never escape that? And so I think once we shift to that framework, we can start to think about, you know, I use that example, an individual who, who has interacted with the criminal justice system. Um, in relation to homelessness, you know, a lot of times I feel like it's helpful to describe uh, someone who's experienced homelessness or who is experiencing homelessness uh, rather than calling this person homeless. I mean, and again, you know, at some point it's just semantics, right? I think we really need to get down to like, what's your heart behind it? So I would argue and, and I would propose that if you sat down and had even just five meals with five different people who'd experienced homelessness in their life, you probably wouldn't continue using the word homeless person or hobo or street person or panhandler because you would see that this person was much more than the sum total of that particular experience in their life yeah. and your heart would change mm -hmm. so uh, you know rather than getting down into like the specific terms i think it's really just the challenge and a call to aspire to engaging in these experiences that shape our heart towards our neighbors and maybe you've never had a family member that's experienced homelessness maybe you've never had a family member who's interacted with the criminal justice system. And I would encourage you to go find those people, develop those relationships, because it will shape your heart in a way where the words will flow from that. That's great. Adam, something I love about the culture at City Care is that we, you know, we, because we, you know, we are in this work day to day, we've, we've, tr we've done our best to create value and dignity to, to our neighbors. And so uh, something that I just wanted to, um, to kind of, wrap up our, our time with you is, um, and maybe you can, you know, come talk about this further, but, you know, like at, at the day shelter and, you know, um, for our, our night shelter that we're going to open, mm -hmm. you know, can you kind of explain like, like what we, you know, how, why we call them our guests mm -hmm. and, you know, why we call, uh, folks that, that are our neighbors or residents at, you know, at Pershing, um, you know, why, 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 we, why do we call them guests, yeah. you know, and rather than, you know, uh, whatever else we could call them. Sure. Uh, so. Well, I think on a basic level, we have gotten to that point because a third of our employees are former clients. Yeah. And you're not going to hear someone who's used these services before call them anything other than a guest mm. because that's how they wanted to feel when they were there. Well, yeah. So on a basic level, like our, our team has fundamentally changed that part of our culture because they're the ones doing it. Yeah. So they're going to call somebody a guest because... That's how they wanted to be treated and that's how they want to treat the individuals who many of them, they actually have relationships with them from when they were experiencing homelessness themselves. Yeah. So there's really not, there's not much gap between them and these individuals and what they want to do is provide those individuals with hope and realization that that could be them someday too, right? That this is not, this is not the future that they have to accept, that there is a different path forward. And I think really by providing an environment where individuals can aspire to something based on how they're being told and described who they are. I think that's really the, in many times, the first opportunity, the first glimpse that someone has that life could be different is how we describe them. So they come in our doors and we say, welcome. You may not be welcome anywhere else, but you're welcome here. And not only are you welcome, but we want to treat you like a guest. Yeah. We want to ask you not just what do you need, but what do you want? How can we help you? Things that we would say if we're a business, this is going to drive customer retention, right? Mm -hmm. So 
just because we are a not-for-profit organization doesn't mean we should be operating for a profit. Like we want, in some ways we want return customers, in other ways we don't, right? But, um, <laughs> but really what we want to do is create an environment where people feel the dignity and even and even some ways we want to aspire them to a dignity to a dignity that that they don't even believe they have yet mm-hmm. right and so i think that's why words like guest and resident um, are really really important um, and it's it's also why i think it's been influenced by our team is because they remember what it was like to be in those positions and how influential those words that we used to describe them were when they were in that situation Yeah, what I hear so much around here and what's been transformative to me is to not just think of this as an issue to be solved, but of individuals to be loved Mm -hmm. and to be cared well for, you know, and I'm just so grateful to know that these kinds of conversations are intentional Mm -hmm. and that they are helping everyone, right, feel called, you know, just to this higher level of dignity for how we interact with everyone in our purview. Yeah, yeah, and we, we talk a lot about this being an honor to serve these individuals so like we're very careful about how we describe the work that we do Um, and i think it's important because those words are translatable to an individual whether or not they're interacting with city care we want them to understand that the work in this community that needs to be done is not about um it's not about handouts it's not about you know providing a hand up it's not about reaching down it's about reaching across it's about standing shoulder to shoulder with people it's about serving and those are you know core values that we all share here at city care and that's that i mean i think that's a big reason why we use the words that we do in the way that we serve that's awesome thank you adam yeah adam thanks so much for coming yeah of course this conversation was important for me personally because i know i've been guilty of labeling someone based on a situation instead of who they are as a person the worst mistake someone made is not who they are today Thank you, Adam. I know I'm grateful that's true in my life, and I imagine you share that sentiment. When you know better, you do better, and I'm excited to move forward together with a framework of dignity. Thank you for being here. To learn more about City Care, please visit us at citycareokc.org or check us out on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, City Care OKC. We are activists for the overlooked, and we will see you soon.